Welcome back. We're going to continue our conversation about programs or presence. We're glad that you're with us again under the fig tree. So let's go right into um, the conversation. Objective to mega churches. I'm not objective to small churches. I'm not object- objective to medium-sized churches. As long as you are inviting the presence of God is, I don't care how big the church is. It doesn't matter. Right. But I will say this. It does not matter how many people are in your church if you all stay in it. Oh, boy. Come on. It doesn't matter. Come on, man. If you all stay in it, it doesn't matter how many people are in there. And you are uh. no danger to the kingdom of darkness if you all stay in the building. Come on, man. This is something that we have to recognize. It doesn't matter if you add 5,000 people a week. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. If you stay inside the building and you don't go out and do the work of the ministry, it doesn't matter. You're no danger to the kingdom of darkness. And, and yeah, exactly. And, and you don't teach the people how to go out and do the work of the ministry. You know, we talked about this before, and I think the, the way that the, the church operates the best is a, as a training center. Yes. That's how it operates. Ephesians 4. There you go. It operates the best as a training center. It doesn't operate best, I think you brought up the term warehousing before, if we just it, warehouse it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't function right if leaders are just warehousing people. And keeping the gifts in the house. And keeping the gifts in the house and not even really using the gifts in the house. Correct. See, that's what's so weird about it. You know, it would even be, you know, at least you'd be on your way, kind of sort of going in the right direction if it, okay, I'm trying to keep all the people together. That's that's that pastoral thing, right? Keep the flock together, you yeah. know, go after the one sheep, you know. Yeah. That's cool, man. I mean, that's it's part fine. of that DNA, right? Yep. But knowing when to let go. Yeah. But here's the problem. If you don't have a an Ephesians four mentality about church and about ministry, then you're probably not going to even see why you should raise people up yeah, man. to take your place per se. You won't see that. No, you won't. You won't see why you should raise people up simply to leave. You won't see that. And so this is why I believe, I'm going to bring up the whole kingdom thing again. This is why I believe, Troy, that there are so many church leaders who have inadvertently, let me say that very clearly, I believe so many church leaders have inadvertently created their own kingdoms. Yes. Because the moment that you're not willing to be in Ephesians 4 ministry, where you begin to recognize the apostles, the prophets, the, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, and the, those, who, those who have a grace on their life, in the, in, even in helps, the yeah. ministry of helps, yeah. right? It, that's all in the Bible, right? So those that seem to dream all the time, you know what I'm saying? Those that seem to have tongues and interpretation, those yeah. that seem to lay hands on people every so often when they have the opportunity and something happens, right? But the leader is not willing to make room for them. Yeah. What are we doing? What are we doing? You have to deploy the weapons that you have. Otherwise, they rust. 
your warehouser, you're walking around with a, with a clipboard and you're counting and you feel successful because you had this number last time you counted. Oh, I got one more and I feel successful, but you're not actually allowing them to function the way they were made to function. Correct. And I'll give you two more. Hopefully I don't forget the second one again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two more things. Number one, church growth has nothing to do with how many people you add. It does not. Church growth has everything to do with discipling the people that you have. That's exactly right. So church growth has nothing to do with the number of people that come through the door and all that kind of stuff. It has nothing to do with that. Church growth is, are we bringing people into spiritual maturity or yes. are we not? If we are, even if we add one a year, yes, we're growing. That's exactly right. And man. if we're not, then we're not. That's exactly right. I will go back to point number two. I didn't forget it. I almost Good. did. Point number two. <laughs> <laughs> and I've said this before. I don't know if I said this before on the podcast. Maybe I have. Maybe I haven't. But I'll say it here. Success is only measured by your obedience. Oh, man. By how, by how many people show up. It's not measured by how many followers you have. It's not measured by how many people love your sermons. It's not measured by how many people love your singing. Oh, boy. Your worship team. Not how many people visit your church. Success is not even measured by how many people get born again in your church. That's exactly right, man. Success is measured simply by this. Did you do what God told you to do? That's exactly right. And if you did, you're successful. That's exactly right. It doesn't matter how many people show up. It doesn't. I, it's fun because we, we're, I'll say this now, shout out to Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio for joining us. And it's fun to look at the analytics for this yeah. and, and all that. But honestly, that's not a measure of success it's just not. because we added more cities. It's, it's not. We're doing it's what not. God told us to do. Are we doing what God told us to do even if no one was, was listening? Even if no one listens, we're successful. And see, you and I have experienced that before. Yes. I mean – it's one thing to be on a podcast. We're sitting across from each other. We get to dialogue and see each other. Correct. Right? It's another thing when God tells you to go have this meeting, you know, and it's just you and one or two other people, your, yeah. your faithful spouse, or maybe <laughs> your children. Your children had to come along anyway because they're underage or what have you, right? Yeah. You know, you just got a little hand. But he told you to do it. Yeah, and he knew nobody was going to show up. And he, he knew no it. one was going to show up yeah. when he told you to do it. And then he marks you successful. That's right. I think that's such a great point, Troy, because one of the, I talked about blind sides, some of the blind sides that I see, right, mm-hmm. with the body of Christ right now. And one of those is self-evaluation. Yeah. Thinking that self-evaluation is more valuable. I'm not saying it's not valuable at all. But thinking that self-evaluation is more valuable than it actually is. It's not as important for me to evaluate where I think I am as it is for me to have a close enough relationship with God to know what God says about where, where I am. So now I don't have to think about, I don't have to think I'm here, right? I can go to God and say, Father, you know, tell me where I am. I love that point. Back it up biblically. Okay. First Samuel. I want to say it's first Samuel. It's got to be there somewhere. Maybe it is second Samuel. Either way, there's a guy named Mephibosheth. Oh boy. 
and he was the son of Jonathan. Yes. And he was the grandson of Saul. Yep. And when Saul was killed on the battlefield and Jonathan was killed on the battlefield, the nurse of Mephibosheth heard the word of it, and she grabbed Mephibosheth and she took off running. Yep. And she tripped and she fell and dropped Mephibosheth, and he was he he messed up his leg. Yes. And he walked with a limp from that day forward. Yeah. But they went to a place called Lodibar, and she hid him in a place called Lodibar. And mm. if I had time, yeah, to talk Lo- about oh, what boy. Lodibar means and all oh, that, boy. but. That's For those of you who are listening and you like a good, you know, <laughs> a, a, a good study, go look up Lodabar. Go look up Lodabar. But she she hides him in Lodabar, and David takes ownership of the kingdom. Now, what's interesting, she ran because what was typical is once a king was defeated, the next thing that was supposed to happen is the new king would come in and get rid of and get rid all of his lineage. everybody in his family. Yep. And that's what would happen, right? Yep. So uh, the conquering king would come in. And so she figured, I got to hide him. Yeah. David takes control and he says, Is there anyone of the house of Saul? Is anybody left in the house of Saul mm-hmm. that I might show kindness to, right? Yeah. They send from Mephibosheth. And you got to imagine this guy's like, Oh, man, he found me. He right. found me. It's over. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> over. I'm a dead man. But he comes to him, and I'm not going to go through the whole story. Just read the, read the story when you get a chance. But to your point, when Mephibosheth shows up, he his, his and I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. He said, "What do you want with a dead dog with like a me?" Dead dog like me, yeah. And if you notice in the story, when you get to that part, just notice that David never even acknowledges Mephibosheth's statement That's about right. himself. He doesn't. He was in covenant. With Mephibosheth's father. Yeah. So he was responsible for Mephibosheth. Yes. To show kindness to him. You said self-evaluation doesn't mean as much as we think it does. Right. But in the case of Mephibosheth, he shows that because he says, I'm a dead dog. David says, that don't even matter. That that don't matter. That doesn't supersede the covenant that I had with your father. Right. Right? Right. Because we look at ourselves a certain way. But we don't recognize how God sees us That's, a lot of times. Oh, boy. It's so so real. We don't recognize that. So, so real. That's the self-evaluation. Is it cool? Uh, I guess so. I mean, you know, it's like what the Bible says about bodily exercise, physical exercise. It says it profited little. Right. Didn't say it didn't profit at all. Said little. But it said it profits little. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit. You get a little bit of something out of it. Yeah. But that's not the main focus. That's and I feel, you know, it's kind of the same thing with what we're talking about right yeah. now, man. And it's such a great picture of our Father God because many times what I have found to be true in my walk with God, Troy, is that I'll try my best to self-evaluate and get it wrong almost every (laughs) single time I've ever tried. I get it wrong. Right. And what's so interesting about getting it wrong is that I have found that I would be harder on myself in areas that God wasn't even concerned about. Right. And I would That's give myself point. leeway. That's a good point. In areas that God really wanted me wanted to have a conversation with me about. Yeah. So I would get it wrong almost every single time. And I had to learn to just relax and say, God, you called me. You knew how long it would take for me to mature to this level. Yeah. You know, you know everything about me. 
I'm going to relax in you. I'm going to trust you to get me from point A to, to the, to eternity. That's right. That's what I'm going to do. That's right. And I'm going to stop trying to self-evaluate so much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It profits some because if you know you're wrong, you ought to, you ought to say, Oh God, you know, I was, I know that I was wrong. And you know biblically, Paul said, let every man examine himself. Exactly. It, 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 there's a place for that. There's a place for there's that. There's a place for it. But, uh-huh. but what I'm seeing happen today is so many people give themselves a wide, wide road when God is saying, yeah, no, no, this is really, you guys can't see my, my arms. I went from stretched out all the way to bringing them all the way into about three feet apart, uh, three inches apart. And that's that narrow road that we've yeah, been called man. to walk on. That's it. You know what I'm saying? It's that's that it. narrow road, man. And, you know, and God says, you said it earlier, God says, that's what I call success. The fact that you're willing to walk on the narrow road That's right. is what I consider success. This is what we need to see. Again, how do you get to that without the presence of God being a part of what you're doing? How do you get to that? The program is not going to lead you to that. You're never going to find the program. Matter of fact, the program is not going to lead you to, to, to freedom. The program's not. not. We're big into discipleship because, honestly, that's the goal. Yes. As much as we like to say, you know, getting people born again, getting people saved is the goal. That's not the goal. Right. Go out, preach the gospel to every living creature, right? right. And make what? Disciples. Disciples. Right. So that goes beyond just getting them born again. Now it's, you got to grow them. That's right. But we get stuck so much, you know, just let's get them saved. Let's get them saved. Let's get them saved. Yes. That's a great thing. But what do you do with them after that? That's right. This is why discipleship can't be done in a program. That's exactly right. It can't be done in a program. What's going to end up happening is people will check the box and check this box and check that box and say, I'm a disciple. Yep. And they're not. Yep. Because they have not learned the the full (sighs) fellowship and, and to be able to steward the presence of God. Wow. They haven't done that. Wow. And and how do you, how are you a disciple without being able to steward the presence of God? Yeah. So this is why we, we, the program, I get it. I get it. I understand. And I'm not saying there's no benefit to the program because yeah. you got to start somewhere. Right. But you can't lean on the program and change that. You can't exchange the presence of God for your own program you, because you can't. You, you'll fail in that. And and think that you're gonna get you're gonna get those other results. Think that you're gonna get the same results you would get if you taught people how you won't. to be in real relationship. You're right. We've said this over and over and over and over again, and we're gonna continue to say it. Everything is about relationship with God. Yes. Not about what you can do. He's not impressed with whatever giftings you have, with whatever talents you had have. He's not impressed with it. Why? Because they came from him. Mm-hmm. So that's not what impresses God. You know, I thought about Stephen when, when they were stoning him, and he says the same thing that his Savior says yeah. on, on his own cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the Bible says that he that heaven opened, and he was able to see Jesus stand up off his throne, standing as Stephen is being stoned to death, because Stephen managed to grab the spirit of his Savior, the essence of the Father, yeah. and understood, wow, this is not... Oh God, please avenge me. Yeah. <laughs> this is not, oh God, get him. No. 
This is not you guys are gonna get it for killing me because I didn't do anything. No, he he manages to grab a revelation through his relationship and ends up saying the exact same thing that Jesus said on the throne. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And, and it caught Jesus' attention to the degree that he stands up. Forget about the fact, look, I'm not even mentioning the fact that he has a supernatural experience as he's being stoned to death. Right. And he sees all of heaven and sees Jesus stand up off his throne. Forget about that, right? So here, look at the juxtaposition of program where you're just going through the motions yeah, versus actually dying, right? Not yeah. physically dying per se, yeah. unless you're called to do that. God, God bless you. But, but dying to oneself, look at the difference. Dying to oneself causes the heavens to open and you see the acknowledgement of the one who died before you. Oh, that's good right there. That's great stuff. Or continuing on in a program that it's, I don't even know what to say about it because it's so much less than yeah. the first one. But you can't get to that. For, you can't get to seeing Jesus acknowledge his relationship with you without going through the death experience. No, I think you're right. In fact, I know you're right. Death to self, I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, which death to self is a, oh man, circling back around to worship. It's, it's a key component to the worship experience, right? Yeah. How's it worship if something doesn't die? This was, <laughs> this was the whole point of the tabernacle experience, right? Mm. We, we, we're going to worship. How do I get to God? How do I get to God? And the first thing that you got to do, something's got to die. Something has to die. Something has to die. Yeah, yeah. When 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 they came to um, Sinai. Yeah. When they yeah. came to Sinai, what happened? Something had to die. Something had to die. Something it is die. my personal definition of worship. Yeah, man. My personal definition of worship has nothing to do with sound, has nothing to do with songs. No. It has to do with dying. That's right. It has to do with something being sacrificed. That's right. Because Abraham said to his servant, me and the lad are going up to worship. to worship. And he knew he was going up there with the intent to put his only beloved, only begotten son on the altar in order to take his life. Let's hang there for a second. Okay. <laughs> because even the boy said. Even the boy said. Okay, we're going to worship, but I, I see the fire. And I see yeah. the but where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? Right? Yeah. Because even he knew. Yeah. Something has to die if we go. Something, something has to die. Yeah. And what does Abraham say? Oh, God, God will provide the sacrifice. Oh, there's so much in that, man. Oh. There's so much in that. Okay, where's the sacrifice? God will provide the sacrifice. What you know what I see in that, Troy? God will will dictate to you what he wants to die out of your life. That's right. God will dictate to you, you don't need that anymore. That's right. Let that die. That's right. Let that go. You don't need that relationship anymore. That relationship is killing you. I love that. Let that die. I love that. Let that go. You don't need the church. Oh, can I say this? I'm going to say it. You don't need the church you grew up in. 
Because if I leave you there, you'll never fulfill all that I've called you to fulfill. Boy. Let that die and let that go. You know, you know what I'm saying? Oh boy. You don't need, you don't need, you love your mama, you love your daddy, you do good in honoring them, but you don't need to stay under the yoke mm-hmm. of parents who may not understand a relationship with me. And, and what did he do? He showed us that through Jesus. When they said, Jesus, your, your, your mother and brethren are, they're at the back of the crowd. They're on the outside of the crowd. And Jesus uses, uses it as a teaching point and says, who is my mother and my brother? That's right. Today, that would get him canceled. Oh, boy. That would get him canceled. Yeah. But he used it as a teaching point to say those who do, you talked about obedience, those who do the will of the God will. are my mother and my brethren. Dude. Yeah, man. Dude, <laughs> this this is this is some heavy stuff. I know, and I don't know. We may have to come back later because I haven't even gotten into. I wanted to get into some of the tactics of the enemy that I think is one of another one of the blind spots that keeps a lot of people within the body of Christ from being able to see something different than what what's been in front of them all their lives, right? Yeah. And that's and that's not acknowledging what Jesus said about the enemy, knowing your enemy. I can't even get into that right now, but I wanted to at least put it out there because yeah. that's gonna we're gonna come back around to that. Oh, you know, you it. know, sooner or later. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> probably knowing sooner. Your enemy, yeah, exactly. Probably sooner. <laughs> but knowing your enemy, knowing his tactics, and then also knowing how to um, how to respond. Yeah. How to respond. So much of what I see today in the body of Christ has nothing to do with understanding the enemy, how what his tactics are, what his MO is, for lack of a better term, modus operandi, y'all, and then also how to respond when he is trying to do something in, or I should say, against your life. Yeah. And that's, that's a very sad situation, man. It very much so is. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. This has been great. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. And I hope I hope you guys can hear our hearts. The heart is not to demean anyone. The heart is not to condemn anyone. The heart is not to uh, shame anyone. The heart really is to wake up yeah. those that are sleeping. That's right. Um, we cannot continue uh, to do the things that we have been doing that bring no fruit and then expect to be effective. That's exactly right. So what we're trying to do, what our endeavor is, is really to wake people up, whether it's church leadership, whether it's the individuals in the church. Don't get caught up on the program. Don't don't put your trust in the program. Yeah. You can't forsake the program or forsake the presence of God right. for the program. That's right. It, it will not turn out well for you. There's there's a level of victory in this life that you will miss out on. Yes. If you are adhering more to the program than you are to God's presence. Yep. And this That's is right. really what we want. Now, again, I, I, I hope you can hear that. I hope it comes across. Yeah. Because we really want you to focus on that. That we want the church to wake up. Yeah. And be the church 
get outside of your four walls and go out and do those things that Jesus told us to do. Commands. Yeah. Right? Yes. Not requests, but he not, commanded not requests, us to do. Not suggestions. No, not suggestions. <laughs> Maybe you should go preach the gospel. No. <laughs> yeah, if you feel no. like it. No, every time. last one of us. You don't have to have a microphone to preach preach the gospel. That's right. Your life should preach the gospel. That's exactly if you really right. think about it. And in fact, your life should be worshiped to God. That's right. It's not the music. It's not all that kind of stuff. Your life, your very life should be worshiped. How you treat your spouse, how you treat your children, oh, how man. you treat your neighbor, oh. the things that you say, the things that you don't say. Such a good point. This is all worship to God. It's not just uh, uh, this particular time before we, <laughs> oh, I'm going to say it, before we take up the offering. Yeah. It's not oh. just that particular <laughs> time of, of the oh, church service. So yeah. I just really, we want, I know that sounded bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But what we, we really want to, to send out a, a wake up call. Yeah. And that's the whole purpose of this programs or presence. It's all your choice. All your choice. You can have, you can have yeah. one or the other, but you do, you can't trade off the presence. You, you, you can't for the you program and, for God's and sake. Don't it turn out. You know, don't, don't, don't do it. It's not worth it. Not at, at all. the end of the day. It's not worth it. Fun. Fun. I'm this is fun. I'm Troy. I'm Bruce. And we thank you so much for hanging out with us here under the feet.